0: Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. And if you guessed playoff basketball on this episode, you know us pretty well by now. What else would it be? What else would it be? What else would it be in May? We've got a now set uh, conference final, both on the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference side. Uh, For the West, it's Dallas versus Golden State. Which actually tips off tomorrow, but we'll talk about the games that start tonight. Uh, that being Miami and Boston. Boston taking care of business pretty easily in Game Seven, I would say, uh, keeping Milwaukee at a pretty uh, decent arms length distance away um, for practically most of that game. And um, I mean, we said we said it before, probably Game Six, that we weren't sure if Joey could endure a Game Seven, and. Uh, I, I think if somebody had told Joey that the the result of Game Seven before that, um, may, maybe he would have been able to um, endure a little bit of a Game Seven for sure. Well,
1: yeah, I was up in Zion for my mother's uh, my mother's birthday. Uh, we left early that morning. I was making sure to rush everybody get out of there. Um, I made it just in time, about halfway through the first quarter. I got there, and that first quarter was pretty rough for Boston. And that's when you know Joey was pacing the house and. Uh, I was looking like I was going to be checking in to St. Rose uh, later that day. For those who don't know, it's a hospital near my house. Um, but, yeah, they definitely turned things around. They had a really strong second quarter. And then by the time the second half started, um, to be quite honest with you, once um, I believe Jalen Brown hit a either a jump shot or a three-pointer at the start of the second half, I had a pretty good gut feeling that this was over. I mean, um, it, it they, they struggled at TD Garden in this series, but it was, just, it was really hard to believe they were going to lose a Game 7 at home in TD Garden. Um, the only time that's happened in recent memory was to the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2018 to LeBron James. And, um, you know, LeBron is um, – or I should say Giannis, Kevin Durant, all these guys are nowhere near to a player um, like LeBron James. And the things that LeBron James has accomplished in his career, that's no surprise that uh, he was able to pull that game out. So that's just a comp- – Completely separate thing, but um, they got it done, and they're going to be playing a very good Miami Heat team here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and I was telling Matt before we were walking in here, the thing that scares me about this Heat team is Jimmy Butler. And what Jimmy Butler can not for one, his confidence, and second, what he can do for his teammates. This sounds a little absurd, but I think Jimmy Butler can do things for his team that Giannis and Kevin Durant could not. Um, and I think you're going to see it at full display in the series. And I think you saw it a couple years ago when he was able to pull uh, the Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. Um, and what he was able to able to do in Philadelphia and, and in Chicago and even in Minnesota. Um, Minnesota finally just got back to the playoffs this year without Jimmy Butler. I mean, you would hope so with the, the kind of talent they have on their team right now. Um, so Jimmy Butler is a fantastic player, and, and he's a hungry player. And um, Boston's going to have their hands full with this Heat team. Um I think it's gonna be very hard to take Jimmy Butler out of these games. So something they're gonna to have to look to do is take Tyler Hero, Max Struess, and and Bam out of the game. But um, this will be another six seven game series where where Joey's uh, um, you know gonna be gonna be possibly checking in a St. Rose. So I just hope I hope it doesn't go to a game seven in this series because that's gonna be in Miami, and I really don't think we can win that or handle that. So um, We'll see how things shape out in this series. But very, very happy they got the job done against the defending champs. Um, I think if Boston makes it to the finals, they have no question have had the toughest road um, than any team this year and I think than any team in recent memory. you got to play Brooklyn, who's probably the best seventh seed of all time, um, the title favorites going into this season, then you got to play Milwaukee, the defending champions, and then you have to play Miami, the one seed. Uh, that is no question the toughest road, at least in this year's playoffs. Um, I definitely think that'd be the toughest road in at least the last five years.
0: Yeah, um, I was asked about this yesterday uh, with with uh, who I thought would win this series. And I s my immediate gut reaction was Celtics and six because I think. Uh, it kind of plays off what you had said, where Boston of the two teams have had has had the tougher road traveled. I mean, you, you look at the first round, Boston draws the Nets, who by many accounts, a lot of people had picked to be the NBA champion this year yeah. with Kevin Durant, um, and then you have to you, you deal with you know Kevin Durant and then Kyrie's in the series, and um, it's a very Inflated seven, seven seed, I want to say, uh, kind of an underrated seven seed, given the talent that was on the roster. Um, definitely didn't look like a your typical seven seed, especially with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, so you had, so they got through that in four. And meanwhile, on the other side, you got Miami, who played Atlanta, who dealt with them in five. I don't think Atlanta's necessarily all that great. And I say that because if you can take away Trey Young, you basically have made them one dimensional. Um, Taking away Trey Young is the biggest obstacle when you're playing Atlanta and a defensive team like Miami that played right into their hands, especially having a guard a defensive guard like Jimmy Butler, um, Kyle Lowry, uh, and the fact that Trey Young is a guard. I think if Trey Young was a big, it'd be a little tougher to stop him, but the fact that he's a guard makes it a little bit easier to contain and slow down. and and so you look at then the the next round, you play the, the you know, the Celtics play the defending champions in Giannis, which, I mean, you you want to talk about kind of a flashback to some old-school basketball, especially with Giannis. There, there were some plays where, it, you know, whether you want to say it's intentional or not, it by the naked eye, it kind of looked intentional uh, with Giannis go, maybe going after Tatum a little bit, maybe going after Brown. Um, Smart
1: thing where he, Smart's trying to help him up and he Giannis is, like, trying to kick his face. Or, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And so you have a a tough, gritty series there, and then you look on the other side, and Miami plays Philadelphia, which isn't necessarily a terrible team, but you have to remember, Miami kind of caught a pretty big break with Philadelphia. They didn't have to face Joel Embiid the first two games, and then in Game 6, Joel Embiid goes back down again with a face injury. He misses about half of Game 6, so really, you don't have to worry about Joel Embiid for two and a half games, and it kind of softened up their run, I think, to the Eastern Conference Final. In this situation, I always take the team that has faced more adversity, that's gone through a little bit of a tougher path, and I think that that team's Boston. And I get both of these teams are pretty deep, but I like the scoring options better for Boston than I do for Miami. Now, Jimmy Butler's been scoring a lot in the playoffs, but I feel like if Jimmy Butler doesn't have it going, and now especially with Kyle Lowry being out for this game one, I I really struggle to find who do they go to next then if Jimmy Butler doesn't have it going. Whereas, like, with Boston, if Jason Tatum doesn't have it going, well, then maybe Jalen Brown has it going. Or maybe in game sevens and since Grant Williams has it going. I mean, that guy had a, probably a career high from three.
1: Yeah, I think that's the main reason Boston beat um, Milwaukee is— the only player that was really stepping up for the Bucs was Giannis. They weren't getting consistent games from Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, and further down the line. The Celtics had, in that entire series, the Celtics had a great game from Jalen Brown. They had a great game from Tatum. They had great games from Horford, Smart, Grant Williams. So Boston had five guys that really, um, and even Payne Pritchard in game seven was able to have a solid game for them. So Boston had five, six guys that were able to go out there and put up double digits and take the load off of. Uh, Brown, Tatum, or whoever it may have been that night, and for Milwaukee, no one was really doing that besides Giannis. So that's gonna be the big thing here in in this series. If 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 the Celtics somehow are able to take Jimmy Butler out of the game, because that's what they've been doing so far, they took KD out of that net series. Nobody else was really just able to step up and get into a rhythm besides Kyrie Irving in Game One. Other than that, everyone else was non-existent. Um, same thing. Giannis. The the Celtics put a lot of defensive pressure on Giannis. And although he had crazy stats, he also shot the lowest he shot all season in the series, and he's also had the most turnovers and offensive fouls than he's had um, throughout the year or throughout in the playoffs as well. Um, so if they're able to do the same thing with Jimmy Butler and they're going to put pressure on Tyler Hero, Max Strus, and um, um, Kyle Lowry to win the series, then Boston can win the series if they do that same thing because that was one of the biggest problems is that they they knew Bruce Brown on the Nets was not going to be able to win the series, and they were right. Bruce Brown had a couple of good games, but Bruce Brown was not going to beat the Boston Celtics. And they knew that Drew Holiday and um, Brooke Lopez were not going to, and Grayson Allen were not going to beat the Boston Celtics. So they if they do the same thing here, and they put that pressure, especially in the Eastern Finals, on guys like Tyler Hero, Struess, and you know Bam. Um, I feel like the result will be the same thing, and it'll be more likely, like Matt said, Celtics in six, but um Miami I think is gonna be the toughest team they face like mentally I think they're the, they're the t- the toughest of the teams they've they've faced so far they're the one seed for the reason
0: Yeah it'll be definitely I think a, a good entertaining series nonetheless um hopefully uh, for Joey and myself's sake that it, it uh comes out on on the Boston side of things but again as we always like to say we'll have to wait and see but let's look at the other side of the bracket here uh, the Mavericks and the Warriors now I think, a good number of people probably could have predicted the Warriors being here. I don't know how many people actually had the Mavericks penciled in, too.
1: A lot of people had Dallas losing the first first round due to their struggles they've had in the last few years. But I will say this. The Celtics-Warriors finals will draw the most ratings. A Celtics-Mavericks finals will be the most fun finals, I think. I think, I think you still get a good series with Celtics-Warriors. Oh, though. yeah, you do. But I think the Celtics and Mavericks will be – a such a fun NBA finals and that's that's what I really want as a Celtics. What Celtics about a Maverick. heat what about a heat mavs final?
0: I mean it's not twenty eleven anymore. It's not it's not LeBron D Wade. I know and, but and you Boshy, still got Jimmy Dirk. but it, like I just this pure trash talk that I think Jimmy Butler would just start talking. I mean it, that that would be a good finals too. Um
1: but you know yeah I'm a little biased here. I, I, I really like a Celtics Mavericks like there there are two duels this season Mavericks won both games, but it literally came down to the wire. Like they, those were one of the most fun regular – even though the Boston lost both those games. Those are the most fun regular season games I watched this year. Um, those are always entertaining when those two teams play. And I think Dallas has a real shot to be Golden State. They won the series, the season series against them, three to one. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, does not get a, a, enough credit for how good he is and his contributions, or what his contributions have been to this Mavericks team since uh, they acquired him at the trade deadline. Um, They have a great lights-out shooter in Davias Bertans. Um, Jalen Brunson has really stepped up. Like, they have a real shot here um, to take out Golden State. And if Luka Doncic can continue playing the way he's playing, which I don't think he's going to choke or or regress in any way, um, I like Mavericks in six. I think Dallas can really upset Golden State here. And and Dylan Brooks very good point, even though they lost. Golden State is only getting older. And all these other teams in the West, like – Phoenix are frauds. I'm not talking about them. Um, <laughs> Dallas or... Patrick Beverly thinks so too. Yeah. I, Beverly is right. I mean, it was kind of a little like he really didn't have to do that, go on ESPN, and we'll talk about that in a second. He really didn't have to do that, but he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Dallas is 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 still young. They're only going to get better. Memphis is still young. They're only going to get better. And the same thing with the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are going to be a real scary team, and even the, the Pelicans once they get Zion back. This might be the Warriors' last shot. At, at at being able to go through the West with such ease, I guess, or consistently or to make the finals um, because next year Memphis is going to have that playoff experience. Dallas is going to have that playoff experience. The Pelicans, um, the Timberwolves, the West has four really great young teams. Um, and like like Dylan Brooks said, Golden State's only getting younger or uh, Golden State's only getting older. So I like the Mavericks in six here, however. I think – the way this team's playing, you took down uh, Phoenix, you took down um, Dallas, or excuse me, not Dallas, you took down Utah. Um, Luca's playing very good basketball right
0: now, and, and Jalen Brunson and, and Spencer Dinwiddie are also playing really great basketball as well. I want to say Warriors in five. I just think that there's a huge mismatch going on here. I really like the Warriors' depth Memphis in the series. They took them the six. They did. That's why I'm a little hesitant on five. It's either going to be five or seven, if it gets to Game 6, Mav- I think Mavs are winning Game 6. So for me, if, if the Warriors win the series, they're going to either have to do it in 5 or 7, um, that being on their home court. I'll, I'll be conservative here and I'll say Warriors in 7 just because I do think the Mavs put up a decent fight. I can't see them going to Dallas in a Game 6 situation to close out. Maybe it could happen, maybe it won't, but I lean towards Dallas winning a Game 6 to push it to seven, and then I think the Warriors ultimately do win Game Seven. It's not that I don't think the Mavs can pull it off. I think they definitely can, but I think you have Jalen Brunson and Luka, and the Warriors can counter that with Stephen Clay along with Clay's Jordan
1: coming off an injury. Though he had a very good Game Six, but if you put some real Clay's not a a a great ball handler and attack to basket kind of guy. He's a catch and shoot player you take that away from him, which Dallas is very famous, like, I mean, this is a while ago, but you look back to the finals with LeBron James, how they were able to take, how LeBron James to an eight-point game. Like, the the Mavericks have a great history of taking out really good players, and even look to the Sun Series with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Um, You take away his his ability to catch and shoot, then it comes down to
0: Curry and Draymond. And and Draymond's not a scorer, and Andrew Wiggins isn't a scorer either. Jordan Poole, though he's been a nice addition Jordan Poole to the team has been great. So I mean that that's the thing. It's like you probably take away Clay or Steph. I don't think you could take away necessarily both because inevitably one's going to have a pretty good look. Um, my guess is they try and limit Steph and then they just say, well Clay's coming off of an injury and if he beats us, so be it. Um, but if Clay gets hot and then you've got Jordan Poole, um, you've got guys like Andrew Wiggins who might not be a great scorer, but he might they might find Andrew Wiggins in the right spots. Same thing with Draymond. Um, to be enough of a factor, I, I think the depth for the Warriors will outlast Dallas, but this is going to be an inter- entertaining series. Like, I, I, looking at this conference finals as a whole, both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, I know it's not probably what everybody was predicting with the Lakers and the Nets, but this is still a good, a good conference finals overall. Like, I think you're going to get two very entertaining series. You're not going to get blowouts very much. Um, each of these games should be relatively close. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think if, you know, if you're an NBA fan, regardless of the team, you should be rooting for good basketball. Like that that's what you really should be rooting for. Um, obviously, if your team's in the conference final, then you obviously are rooting for them. But, um, you know, if you're just watching as an NBA fan, I think rooting for good basketball and, you know, I think it's a good change of pace that we're not talking about a lebron conference final or a kevin durant conference final or you know some of the other names that we have been accustomed to talking about in years past now they're all kind of sitting at home and we have some some new faces in the conference final like dallas for instance dallas used to be the team that got knocked out at the latest in the second round like they usually would never make it out of the second round sometimes they get knocked out in the first yeah um Golden State, it's been a while since they've been here, so that's kind of like a rejuvenation for them. Miami, I mean, people want to bag on Miami because they th- they think, oh, their last finals appearance was in the bubble. It's kind of like an asterisk by it. Um, so they're playing for a lot. And then...
1: I, a, I want to bring up something about the bubble.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the
1: 2021 season was more fraudulent than the bubble? Because you look at the bubble... Twenty. What was the bubble uh, Eastern Finals matchup? It was the Celtics and Heat, wasn't it? Right. And then you have the shortened off season, um, and then Boston and and, and Miami both get tossed in the first round last year. You go to this year, the defending champions um, are out in the second round, and the team that made the finals, their opponents is out in the second round. So, do you think that the 2020? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to keep going and like every every season you can put an asterisk on, but. Do you think that 2021 was more – you can maybe – it's more reasonable to put that asterisk on that
0: season versus the bubble? I'd probably still put it on the bubble given the circumstance. I mean the bubble, they're literally playing in a conference room of a hotel. <laughs> like they made a conference room a full-on basketball court that they're playing nationally televised games on. At least in the 2021 season, you had the benefit of travel – um, you know, where you had to put you, you got to play on your home court, you got to experience travel a little bit, um, albeit, yes, fan capacity was still a little bit limited for much of the 21 season, but you still had that kind of feel of having to go to a, a new city to play basketball, whether you know, instead of just in the 2020 bubble, you just go downstairs to the conference room and start playing, like um, a-
1: AU tournament style.
0: It, it pretty much, that's exactly kind of what it, it looked like, and So I I would say that I'd give the asterisk still to the 2020 season, just given the unique scenario, because it just is something like you would never under normal circumstances, you would never think of doing, Um, but given where they were, I mean, that they obviously had to get the season in somehow. And um, with everybody stuck at home, I guess it was their best alternative to uh, what they, you know, to get the games in that they needed to for, you know, TV money and all that. But I mean, these conference finals, like I, I, I would be shocked if either one ends short of six games. Like I think you could pencil in at least six games on both sides, maybe even a game seven.
1: I think there'll be a game seven with Dallas and Golden State, but I think that Dallas Dallas wins that. I would I know be, it'll be on
0: the road, but I I'm gonna be
1: real. Chase Center is not Oracle. Oracle was a tough arena to play in. Chase Center is not that arena. I mean, I uh, Oak. Uh, we we bash Oakland a lot on this because of the whole Raiders thing. But the the Oakland, I know there have always been the Golden State Warriors, but the Oakland Warriors um, really brought the energy on those home games. And watching a lot of Warrior games at the Chase Center this year, I can't say the same. I say, because it's, it's in San Francisco now, and I see a more, um, I don't see as much of a hostile environment. Because there is a point where Oracle Arena, they had one like, 30-some straight games in And that's, like, really rare to see. You see it in college basketball because of student sections and all that. But that's you don't see that a lot in the NBA. Right. Um, Oracle was a tough place to play in. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Chase Center is that is that same – brings that same energy.
0: I mean, and we saw this Mavericks team go into Phoenix in a Game 7 and hand the, the Suns a the 40-piecer. Yeah. Um, which I, I guess is a good segue point because uh, we mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, – Patrick Beverly had a few choice words for Chris Paul and comparing he's, him to a cone. He's, I mean, I think he's right. Um, you, you look at the Suns. The, my,
1: my biggest problem with the Suns that it has kind of made me go from rooting for them last year to rooting against them was the attitude. They, um, throughout the majority of the season, had acted like they had won something. It's not so much as that their franchise has not accomplished any, anything, but – these players have not accomplished anything yet. Like Devin Booker has not won anything. Chris Paul is approaching 40 years old, has not won anything. Um, Jay Crowder, for a fact, has not won anything. DeAndre Ayton, besides getting $100,000 from the University of Arizona, has not won anything. Um, so it, it was just this this very uh, this cocky attitude, I think, that caught up with them. You had Cameron Payne hopping on, like, Lakers um, – Laker fan live streams and, and talking crap to the Lakers like which which normally I would probably think is funny but which is kind of unnecessary like why is a NBA player that's making 11 million dollars a year hopping on like why do you have the time to do that why are you hopping on a live stream in the middle of the season um, talking crap to Lakers? why is that necessary like I don't think any other player in the league would do that. Um, and out of all people, why is Cameron Payne doing that? Like you got one minute in a game seven, you played one minute in a game seven, uh, of the NBA playoffs. So it's not like you're a, a a crucial player on this team. It's not like you're Devin Booker or even a Drake, a Jay Crowder on the team. You are the 11th guy in the rotation. So, um, and I think that attitude caught up with them And, and, and then Booker, um, the whole series going at it with Luca, um, ripping the ball from him and, uh, um, and, and, and Luca, you know, like, like the memes, definitely took that personally and um, won back-to-back games there and, and won the Series 4-3. So I think although, although what Patrick Beverly did was a little unnecessary, I think. I don't know why he felt the need to go on ESPN and say all that. Um, but he definitely was right. I don't think um, anyone in the league was really terrified of the Suns, especially after the first round. Uh, the Pelicans are a great team, but still – an eight seed took a one seed to six games. Um, and then you face Dallas in the second round and you lose that series. So I think the Suns have some questions, uh, to face this off season. Uh, you have Chris Paul still on contract. You owe him 50 plus million dollars over the next, or 60 plus million dollars over the next three years. I believe, um, is that money you want to shell out to Chris Paul right now, considering how he played in the second round? Um, you know, that's, that's something they will have to look at in the off season, but, um, it's 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 definitely fitting or definitely uh um, funny how Phoenix went from telling everyone they're the best team in the world to losing by what 33 points at home in a game seven yeah so um I think I think they got what was coming to them and um, they didn't really have a, a humble approach at all um going into the playoffs and I think that was one of their biggest problems
0: yeah it's uh I don't like. I don't disagree with Patrick Beverly. Um, I said he's right. It was just a little, a
1: little unnecessary. Like, yeah, he should have known that ESPN wasn't. ESPN brought him on because they wanted him to say something on their network so they could push it out on the on on social media platforms and like, oh look what Patrick Beverly started and instigate something between NBA players, which is exactly what they wanted to do. Like you could see Stephen A. Smith's um, face like light up when he was getting exactly what he wanted out of Patrick Beverly. Real quick, you know, Kyrie had even brought it up. He was doing a live stream, and Kyrie was like, One of my biggest mistakes was when I left Cleveland and I went on first take. And I I fed into that and I gave them all these quotes and everything that they exactly wanted why he stopped playing with LeBron and why he left Cleveland. And he said, Looking back on that, I wouldn't have done that because it was just unnecessary. And like, I didn't need to explain anyone why I left Cleveland, which I've had my, you know, Fair disagreements with Kyrie Irving, but I think he's absolutely right on that. And I think Patrick Beverly did not need to go on there and, and say all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and I mean ESPN's always had a narrative to push, you know, with basically anything. It feels like, right. uh, particularly the NBA, though. Um, I I I can't. I don't think. What Patrick Beverly said was necessarily wrong, especially given the time. Um and what he said. I mean, look, he this is fresh off of a forty point loss in game seven at home for the Suns. Um there's not many excuses to be made. Um and to be quite honest, it's the same story year in and year out is starting to get old with Chris Paul. Um you know, everybody kind of looks at Chris Paul and goes, Oh, well, when's he finally going to get a ring? Um, maybe he's never going to get a ring, I don't think maybe so he's will. never even going to get to the finals. Um, you know, Chris Paul is not getting any younger, he probably has, I would guess, no more than five years left in him, maybe three. Um, and that's not to say that Chris Paul still hasn't had a great career. I think you could make the argument that he could be a Hall of Famer eventually. I don't think he's going to be first ballot. But eventually, I think we're talking about Chris Paul being in the Hall of Fame. Um, a good comparison that I would probably use with Chris Paul is probably Allen Iverson. Because I think Allen Iverson was great when he played. and He, you he know, made he, a
1: couple NBA finals, though, didn't he?
0: I think so, yeah. So I know he
1: played one with the Lake against the
0: Lakers. Yeah, so he made some finals. He never won a finals, which might be the reason I think a lot of people, including myself, probably put Chris Paul in the same category with Allen Iverson, being a great player that never could really get the that ring and get over the hump. Um but I mean at some point in time I do think Chris Paul kinda has to start facing the music that maybe something's not working because this is now Two years that you've had a pretty healthy Suns team, um, especially in the playoffs, and you haven't been able to get the job done. Granted, they went to the finals last year, which is a great accomplishment, but you still didn't get the job done at the end of the day. Blew it to a lead. In, in a results driven business. Like at the end of the day, you can make the finals, you can win all these games, but if you're not producing big results at the end of the year, I mean, there's not really much hiding from that.
1: Yeah. And, um, Funny enough, before we wrap up, of course, uh, I'm already seeing Chris Paul to the Lakers and a Russell Westbrook swap, and I'm like—
0: But it's not going to—again, it's not going to get Chris Paul any closer to a ring.
1: And it's not going to help the Lakers at all um, get any closer. And
0: I think, again, what
1: Laker fans really need to understand is that your team is absolutely screwed. You have no future draft picks. You have a a man made out of glass. Your only bright spot uh, is LeBron James. And— that's why we... He can only take you so far, especially at the age he's at now.
0: Well, that's why we said two or three weeks ago, it sounds crazy, but the best option for the Lakers is you hang on to LeBron and you blow up the rest of everything around him. Yeah. You try and bring in some nice role players. Uh, you try and get some of your draft capital back that you gave away for Anthony Davis. Um, you can, Even still, you can probably get a decent haul for Anthony Davis at his, at his current state. You can... The biggest one and I think the hardest piece to move if you're the Lakers is gonna be Westbrook because of the contract.
1: The Hornets want like one one trade I think that would work for um the uh the Lakers with Russell Westbrook is the Hornets really won him for for whatever reason. I don't know why, but the Hornets won him. I would trade Westbrook for to the Hornets, and you get Gordon Hayward, you get um Kelly Oubre, and you get I believe Book Knight. Um the guard they just drafted. Because the way you gotta look at it is, and maybe throwing in like a a second round pick or something to maybe balance it out. But the way you got to look at it is the Hornets get a a better contract in a sense because Westbrook only has one year left. Gordon Hayward has two years and a player option, I believe. And then on top of that, the Lakers start getting a future. You get a a a good player in Kelly Oubre and you get a good young guard in um in Book Knight. And I think if you do trade A D, it's got to be for a not a superstar, but a decent player, a young player, and a draft pick. So that's, that's not to get too far off, off off the topic here, but I think that's what the Lakers really have to look at is they need to get decent role players, and they start also need to start building a future because right now they don't have one. And the last thing they want to have happen to them is, um, which I wouldn't mind, but if you're the Lakers, the last thing you want to have happen to them is once LeBron's gone, your team is literally just... Like you're going to be like the the 76ers team that won 10 games pretty much like that's the, that's the boat the Lakers are on track to be in because right now I'm telling you LeBron AD and Westbrook ain't winning a championship together and LeBron and AD by themselves aren't going to win another ring for the same reason I just mentioned 20 minutes ago the West all these young teams are only going to get better and the West is going to be ran by Dallas Memphis Minnesota and um, those three main teams pretty much. I won't go as far as to say the Pelicans yet, but those three teams are
0: going to run the West for at least the next five years. Yeah, and that's kind of the, you know, you always look at what the flip side of the coin is to any choice. Like, we knew kind of in the back of our mind when the Lakers kind of went all in on Anthony Davis, you know, not so much when they got LeBron because they still had a lot of capital to use and they still had some cap space and – uh, draft capital. So, not necessarily when they got LeBron, but really when they. We saw this coming when they picked up Anthony Davis. It, it, we, I mean, whether Laker fans wanted to admit it or not, at least in the back of their mind, they had to think that this on the back half of this is not going to look pretty because we don't have any future in draft picks. And granted, it got them a ring, so they can somewhat justify it, but. If they if one ring is all they're getting out of this duo, and they had to sacrifice a good portion of their future, and they have to find a way to make cap space work, I'm not even sure the one ring would be worth it.
1: And it's not even like they've been making deep playoff runs every year since. You got nearly swept in the first round last year, and you didn't even win 35 games this year. Um, not even finished top 10 in your conference as well, so... um We'll see how, and even if AD comes back healthy next year, I'm telling you, like that's still not enough for you, you can still it's pencil. I would say you
0: can pencil him in for 15 to 20 games that he's gonna miss. Like yeah. this is, we and that's the thing we say this every year with Anthony Davis. Oh, when he comes back healthy, and then inevitably he's gonna miss 15 or 20 games a year because he'll enter something else. Like he's the guy at this point is made of glass. He's injury prone, um, and I don't blame the Lakers one bit if they this offseason they want to move off of Anthony Davis and move off a lot of those pieces and just say, we're going to start over LeBron. So you can, you can stay. Um, We're not going to obviously trade you. If you want to be traded, we can make that happen. But um, outside of you, everything else is going to be disbanded and we're going to try and rebuild a little bit for a future. And quite frankly, for life after LeBron, because I mean, I don't think LeBron's playing much more than five more years at all. It, It might even be closer to four or three.
1: I, I think he's still got five or four in him, but yeah, I mean um the way they're looking right now, I don't think I don't think there'll be any championships in those four or five years.
0: Yeah. I at least I hope not. unless I, they
1: can okay. somehow get Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler and like like all the little jersey swaps that Lakers fans put out yeah. every year unless uh um somehow the Miami Heat accept uh Westbrook and yeah. Taylor Horn, Thucker, and a second-round pick for a Jimmy Butler trade. That's yeah. always like their go-to trade. They're right. like, well, we're going to get Dame. I'm like, what well, are you going to give up? Westbrook, Taylor Horn, Thucker, and a second-round pick. I'm like, okay, yeah. well. Uh, unless, uh, unless I mean, I, I'm sure the Blazers are going to want to trade Dame wherever he wants to go, but if, like, if Milwaukee calls and is like, hey, we'll give you actually valuable places, and then I don't think Dame would mind
0: going to Milwaukee instead and playing with you on this. I don't know. Maybe the other L.A. team can win a championship in the next five years. That'd be nice.
1: They're they're more on. I, they're more on. A, 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 they have a better chance to do it. Like, but like I said, I'm I'm sticking true to, um,
0: Memphis, Dallas, and and uh, uh, Minnesota running the West for a while. It's gonna be fun to see. It's gonna be fun to watch these playoffs this year. Um, we'll be back with more episodes of the Back and Forth podcast later on in the week. Uh, to follow the show on social media. Twitter is at Backforth Pod, Instagram is at Backforth Podcast, and of course you can find the Back and Forth Podcast wherever you get your audio podcasts that being Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, plenty more. Again, we will talk to you guys later on in the week. Enjoy the start of the conference finals for the NBA, and we'll have plenty to break down for you on the next episode of the Back and Forth Podcast. <music>